glory to God. It is a good day. Worship team, thank you. It's nice to see Ento up here with our team. <laughs> Boy, that's some good worship. If you weren't here before the service, we had worship even before we all started up here. So that was, uh, that was good. They're really getting that pre-service worship going on. And we, we appreciate them working on all those kind of things. Well, if you're up on Facebook, if any time from last night on you have an idea of what we're getting into today, if not, you will catch on quickly enough, but you could have had the heads up knowledge of it. But there was a preacher many of us have probably already known about, John Wesley, and he was, a, of course, an English preacher back in the 1700s. He was considered to be a rather spiffy dresser. And uh, one time in particular, he came into the church and he had on a bow tie that had ribbons on the end. And the ribbons had, were of some considerable length. And one of the persons, a, a young lady in the, in the church, thought it was a little extravagant for a minister to be wearing a bow tie with these long ribbons. And so she came up to, to uh, John Wesley and she said, can you hear a little bit of criticism? And he said, well, yeah, I guess so. He says, well, I think that tie is just too extravagant for a minister and those ribbons that you have on your bow tie. I've never seen a bow tie with ribbons, so I have no idea what it even looks like. <laughs> Maybe that was a 1700 thing, but he said, I think those ribbons are just a little too long. And she pulled out of her purse a pair of scissors and snipped them. Well, Brother John Wesley said to her, he says, uh, well, ma'am, can you take some criticism? And she said, well, I guess so. And so uh, he took the scissors from her, and he said, stick out your tongue. <laughs> well, that's where the story ended, so I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was something. But we put up on, on Facebook for you, because I, uh, I, I don't know about you, I like asking God questions. Because when you ask God questions, you get answers. If you don't ask God any questions, you're not going to get any answers. So a lot of times I'm asking God on questions, you know, if I'm in the shop standing or if I'm out running. Those are the two main times to ask God questions. I'll ask God questions about things and say, you know, what, what's going on with this and what happens with this? And sometimes the answers come pretty quick and sometimes they um, don't come real quick at all. Um, probably my fault, you know, I'm just not able to hear as, as uh, rapidly as I should. But anyway, on this particular one, you know, we had the election season and how many of y'all know that there was criticism galore? Well, yeah, everybody's being criticized. And uh, so I began to ask a question about this because how many of you all know, should we criticize God? I mean, we pretty much know we should not criticize God, right? Don't we have that one down? We should not criticize God. That doesn't stop us from doing it. Oh, come on, you criticize God. God, I don't understand. Why haven't you answered my prayer yet? What is that? God, why do you allow evil to go on in the world? Why did you let that baby die? God, why'd you let that storm come and, and what are we doing? We're giving God criticism. That's all we're doing. Don't, don't pretend like you haven't done it. I'm not pretending like I haven't either. <laughs> I know I've criticized God some, but we all know we shouldn't. But we do it anyway. How many of y'all know there's some stuff that we know we shouldn't do and we do it anyway? Like that bag of chips you ate last week? You, you knew you would. <laughs> You knew you weren't supposed to eat that whole bag of chips, but you sat there and ate that whole bag of chips. You knew better than that, but you did it. Yeah, we do some stuff that we, <laughs> that we probably shouldn't do. And, um, 
Anyway, but in the wake of all the things political, now that the elections are over, how many are glad that the commercials are back to normal? <laughs> and we don't have to hear the stupid, insane things that other people did or didn't do. And At least that's all, all over. So um, we're going to cover these questions. Is it ever right to criticize God, his leaders, or the leaders of men? See, this is where I came into the question. This is what I was asking God. I said, God, I know it's not right for us to criticize you. I know. It doesn't always stop me from doing it, but I know I shouldn't do it. I, I, I have that one down. And I know from the Word of God that's the way it is. I know from the Word of God that we should not criticize church leaders. That doesn't mean we don't, right? It just means we know we shouldn't do that. But I said, now, now we get into the leaders of men. I understand. I, I shouldn't criticize God. I shouldn't criticize uh, the, the, the church leaders, the leaders that God has put in, in, in there. Um, but I'm wondering, it says, does it also translate over to presidents and senators and congressmen? And think, should we criticize, are we, are we okay to criticize them? So that's my question. Now, I got an answer. It was not the answer I sort of thought it would be, nor is it the answer you are thinking it is. And it blew me away in its application. I just stood there stunned for a while. I said, holy cow. I, don't, I didn't understand it this way. It's completely different from how I understood it. But it's in the Word of God. And that's where we come to. So we're first off going to take a look at criticizing God. And then we're going to talk about criticizing church leaders. And then we're going to talk about criticizing uh, leaders of men and things like that. And we're going to go back to the Word of God and look at, look at all this. Uh, there is so much material in this in the Word of God. But there's, I didn't put it all in your outline. Um, if we decide to, we'll overflow into another week. But right now, we're just going to probably just do it here, this one. So here's the first thing we have to figure out. Is criticism good? Is criticism good? Now, criticism, is another word for criticism is correction, isn't it? Correct. Is it good to be corrected? Yeah. Have you ever been corrected poorly? Yeah. So there is good criticism or correction, and there is bad criticism or correction. So what is it that makes for good criticism? Because if I cannot figure out what is good or what is bad, how will I ever know if I'm doing it right? And then what will happen is, well, I just won't do it at all. Or we do it all the time, one or the other. But we want to make sure we get it right. So I went through here and, and did some things. First Kings 13, verse 20. Now what happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. This is the story of the, the prophet uh, who was told to go into the land of Israel to deliver a prophecy and to come back by another way and to not eat or drink anything in the land. And an older prophet saw him and, and went after him and said, wait a minute, God gave me a word, come on back with me. And the young man, he, he, the young prophet came back with him and they were sitting there eating and the word of God came to the old prophet. Now, if you were God, how many of you are not using the old prophet? <laughs> Only me. If I'm God, I'm not using this guy. I said, man, you just lied. I'm not using, but God used him. So that's just evidence why I'm not God. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. But here it is. They're sitting at the table. They're having food together. And the word of God comes to the old prophet who lied to him and brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. 
your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Now, if you haven't read this story in a while, I think it's actually kind of comical because afterwards, you know, they finish eating. The guy gets up, he prophesies death over you for something that he brought you into. And he prophesies death over you, then you finish your meal. I, I, I think I'm just leaving at that, after that. God gets up and says that. I'm probably just going to go. But he, they sit there and finish their meal. And the old prophet comes out, helps him saddle his donkey, get you on your way. You know, great having you here. Really appreciate you coming by. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to say with all this? And he gets on the donkey and he goes. And, of course, we all know the story. He, he dies. But I got three guiding principles to help us out with whether criticism slash correction is good or whether it's bad. Here's the first one, the foundation. It's foundation. Criticism from God. When God speaks criticism, when God speaks correction to us, there is a foundation for it. The foundation is from two sources. What he wrote or what he said. God never holds you accountable to do anything that he has not written and that he has not said. He never holds you accountable to do what he feels. He holds you accountable to do what he says. In his word, or he has spoken it to you. If you go through the word of God and you look at all the times that God sent a prophet and they sent a, a, um, un, a, a not very good message to a person, generally they disobeyed the word or they disobeyed something that God told them to do or not do. And he is rebuking them on, on that. This man was told, not in the written word of God, but was told in the spoken word. God spoke to him and said, when you go, deliver this message. Here's the message that you deliver. When you go and deliver the message, go one way and come back another and don't eat or drink anything along the way. It's pretty simple. And the man didn't do it. So when God corrects him, he holds him accountable to what he said. Amen. Criticism, good and bad, will have a foundation. But if it's good criticism, if it's good correction, it will be based on something written or something spoken. Amen. Take it to your boss, to your, your place of work. If your boss gets upset at you for something that you did or didn't do, but he never asked you to do it, and it's not written anywhere for you to do it, is that just? No. You just say, well, when did you ever tell me to do that? Well, I wanted you to. You should have picked up on that. That's not right, is it? That's bad. If there was an email, if there was a memo, if there was something written, if there was a letter stating, I need you to do this, or if he comes into your office, he or she comes into your office, and they say to you, I need you to do this. Can you have it done by tomorrow? We now have something to work with. When they come back in, they offer correction. Did I say to you yesterday, I needed this done today? Right? So is a good correction? Absolutely. The foundation is important. Good correction will always be based on what was previously written or spoken. Always. Not what you feel. Not what you think. How many of you ever heard people say, well, I don't think God should do that. And they offer criticism based on, well, what are you basing that on? What scripture? Well, I don't have any scripture, but I just don't think God should do that. I think he's wrong for doing it. Is that good criticism? That's false. That's bad criticism. Don't, don't get into that. It has nothing to do with what you feel. What it has to do with 
what he wrote, what he said he would do, what he said he wouldn't do, what he spoke to you. Always. Don't ever get pulled out of that. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Function. Look at its function. The purpose or the result desired. Good criticism always has as its function, as its purpose, personal gain or the gain of the group you are with. Always. God is either going to correct you so that you become a better Christian, a better follower of God, a better minister in what you are called to do for Him, a better helper in the group, in the church, in the ministry, in the function of the body that you have. He is going to correct you for the purpose of making you better in those areas. That's, that's, the, that's good um, functioning criticism. If you have a job and your boss comes in, in and asks you, you know what, the person who, uh, down the road over there, they, they don't make my coffee right. I, I really want to have good coffee and I want you to learn how to make it. That's not necessarily something you're supposed to do, is it? You're, you have, where's that in my job description? Where's that in the thing I'm supposed to do? And uh, if he comes in and he criticizes your ability to make coffee, does that have anything to do with you being an employee? See, if, if your boss comes in and they give you criticism, it has to have something to do with your job or your function in the company. You know, how you are, are you bringing dissension into the ranks? Are you uh, causing problems with the other people? He'll come in and he'll criticize you and correct you in that area so that you can function better in there or else they get rid of you. So function is the the second one. Here's the third one, the forum. Foundation, function, and forum. Is it public, private, or a small group that the correction comes in? This is where a lot of people mess up. They give correction, they pick the wrong forum. Sometimes it was something private, and they correct them publicly. That's not right. The forum will always match or be lesser than where the problem occurred. When David committed his sin with Bathsheba, where the prophet said, you have created a, what you did, you did before the people. When you did in secret. He said, but it's going to come out in the open as people are going to see it. Other people came out and they knew about what he had done. But the correction was done privately. The correction cannot be greater than the number of people that it was done with. If a person did something privately, nowhere ever should they be brought before a group of people and chastised. The forum will be equal to or less than where the problem occurred. If you had a problem in your job and it, occurred, it happened with a few people, wouldn't the first step your boss do is to take you aside privately in a smaller group? If it doesn't work there, then he might go into a, a, a bigger group. And then if not there, then you might go further. And that's the exact pattern that the Bible says. The Bible says that when you correct someone, do it privately. If they don't listen, then go take two or three others. If they don't listen then, then bring it before the church. So make sure the forum is correct. Don't bring things out publicly. It don't need to be. So this is just the foundation of what we're going to do here to uh, help us understand good and bad stuff. We're going to call this, just to shorten it, we're going to call it the what, why, and where. The what, why, and where. What is the criticism? Why is it given? And where is it given? The what, why, and where. So we'll just get, throw that out there and we don't have to go through all the, all the other stuff. All right, first off, Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor 
by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Be careful of speaking anything out of your mouth when you are discouraged. It always is, in the Bible, it has always brought trouble on people. Be careful speaking anything when you are discouraged. Now, they had just, if you want to go back to the uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, they had just come back from a victory, a military victory that God brought them into. And now on the way from that, because going through the wilderness, they became discouraged. If you want to rhyme a reason why people become discouraged, you will not find it. They just had a victory. They're going someplace now. And they got discouraged along the way. Have you ever gotten discouraged along the way to someplace and you really don't know why? Discouragement is not good. Don't speak, your, your, don't speak out of discouragement. You're not speaking faith. You're going to get yourself into trouble. Don't do it. And this people spoke against God and against Moses. So we got both groups here going on. They're, speak, they're complaining. They're criticizing God. And they're criticizing and complaining against Moses. That's uh, God and one of his leaders. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They just were delivered. They just had this great military victory. They're walking on over and they got discouraged. And now they've already gotten to the spot where, where we're going to die. For there is no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. I mean, every day God is bringing manna and it rains down from heaven and we're just tired of it. Every day we've got to come out. We've got to pick up bread. We've got to put it in the bowls. We've got to make stuff with it. Well, you could have a job, have to earn money and go out and buy it. Instead, it just comes here. No matter how good things are, we can find a problem. For there is no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now, be careful. Because when you get discouraged, what God has blessed you with will become worthless. And that's a bad place to be. All right, let's go on. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Now, this is kind of veiled a little bit, but do you get the idea that God wasn't happy? <laughs> I kind of come, I mean, just reading this, I just kind of come away with the idea that God didn't like it. Now, if God doesn't like something that you did, who's wrong? We are. Now, we know that here in church, but we get home later on this week, we're going to find out something else. God, you are, that is, I can't believe you did that. I was right in this. And, but here in church, we all know God's right. God's right. God's right. <laughs> but, you know, we get home. Make sure you keep that same attitude. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned and we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And, of course, the story goes on. They took the... The serpent, they put it on a pole and you had to go up and you had to look at the serpent in order to get healed. Some people didn't do it. I'm not doing that because I don't think I'm wrong. I think God was wrong. He shouldn't have done this sort of stuff. And they died. I don't think they lost any real valuable people right there. That's not the kind of folks that you want around. So anyway, we got both people being criticized, both being, being, being corrected, and God was not happy. On the basis of this, don't answer your question. Don't answer. Don't raise your hand. Don't do anything like that. Don't embarrass yourself. Just sit there real still. <laughs> On the basis of this, would you say that God does not like any criticism from people at all? Just think about it. 
Now, as we said, it would seem the Lord didn't like this whole lot. And is, is, it, is it because of the who or the what and why and the where? Is it because of who's complaining? Or is it because of the what, the why, and the where? What's the foundation for their complaint? Is it based on the Word of God? Is it based on what God has said? No, it's against the Word of God, and it's against what God has said. So the, there's no what there. What's the purpose? Is, I mean, is there a purpose? It just seems like they're complaining to complain. There's no real purpose. Are, are you wanting to go back into the land of Egypt and become servants? Are you wanting to stay here and die? Um, you know, what is it that you want out of this? I don't really get a real clear picture reading this what they want. They just wanted to change. How many have ever been in a situation where we just want change? I just want something to change. Just something needs to change. Needs to change. Well, it might change worse. <laughs> just because you get change doesn't mean it's good change. So uh, we're not real sure what the why of this is. And um, as far as the where, they did this as publicly as you could. Probably wasn't a good idea either. All right. So we got the idea. God does not like to take criticism from us. Does, uh, now, Moses one time criticized God too. And that didn't go real well either. Well, how about leaders in the Bible and the church today? Now, first off, who appointed them? Well, at least God is supposed to appoint them, right? God is supposed to appoint leaders and uh, people. And he calls them into the fivefold. He calls them into the ministry. He calls them into do th- th- things. So the people that are called by God, who do they answer to? They answer to God because God called them. But if they stop listening to God, prophets are sent. Right? If they stop listening, their answer to God. But if God speaks to them and they don't listen, prophets are dispatched. We've seen that over and over again in the Word of God. When Saul stopped listening to God, what happened? Prophets. When kings of Israel stopped listening to God, what happened? Prophets. When um, the Pharisees and Sadducees weren't listening to God, what happened? Prophets came. Prophets come to say, look, you're not listening to God. So this is a man speaking to another man or a woman speaking to another woman or a woman speaking, whatever it might be. It's, so I say man, we're just talking about men and women. Speaking to other people, whoever it is, doesn't matter. And they're speaking to them, but they've been authorized by God, whom they answer to, but aren't listening to right now. Now, we, we, we want to come to the place that church leaders are appointed by God. But how many of y'all know that there are some people that have taken positions in a church that God did not appoint at all? So who do they answer to? Oh, yeah, that's pretty much what it is, isn't it? They answer to themselves. That's not a good place to be. You never want to be in a place where you only answer to yourself because, well, we'll see what happens as we go on. So, with self-appointed leaders, um, best thing to do with self-appointed leaders, don't follow them. That's the best thing to do. Don't, don't do it. Now, Saul, David, Solomon are examples of leaders who stopped listening for a time, sometimes some of them longer than others. Saul stopped listening. He was listening to God initially, but then he stopped listening to God. Prophets were dispatched to him, and you know he listened maybe a little bit initially, and then he just shut them off. He wasn't listening to them anymore. Uh, David shut off uh, listening over the, the sin of Bathsheba. And finally, a prophet came and spoke to him, and David listened. And he got back into the place he was supposed to be. Solomon listened to God a lot. 
and then kind of wandered away from it and got away from it. And prophets were dispatched to Solomon to say, hey, stop worshiping idols. Get back to God. So those are some examples of leaders who stopped listening, at least for a time. Now, Moses, he received some criticism from a person. We want to take a look at that. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. So it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law, that's Jethro, saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So he's taking their situation and comparing it with what God has said. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, This thing that you do is not good. Is this criticism? Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, having covetousness, or hating covetousness, and placing such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens, let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. So he watched them for a day. He didn't just jump at it right away. He watched them for the whole day and he saw a long line of people. And probably at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who didn't get their cases heard. And the next day, more were going to come. And he said, you're going to wear out the people here because they can't bring their cases. They're going to get frustrated. You're going to wear yourself out because you're going to be sitting here all day doing this sort of stuff when you need to be doing some other things. And this, he said, this thing isn't good. Well, is it in the word of God, up to, in the word that they have so far? Has God ever shown that it's better to have help? Absolutely. What about the Levites? What did they come along to do? Help with the sacrifices. Help the priests with their job. Why did uh, Eve get created? She, she was a help. It's, uh, he, it's not good for him to be alone. He, he needs some help. So he got him some help. God likes help. God brings people along for help. That's all right. So he's, he's, there's a foundation for this. What's the purpose? Is the purpose to help Jethro? No, the purpose was to help Moses and to help the people. Is that a good purpose? Yeah, how about the forum? Forum is private. He pulls, he pulls Moses by himself. He says, Moses, come on over here. Let me talk to you. And he just talks with Moses. He doesn't correct him in front of all the people. So he hid it on all three areas. He had a good foundation. He had a good purpose for what he was doing. And his uh, forum was correct. It's where he should have, uh, should have been doing this. Now, Here's where we're going to start digging in. We're not going to get talk about the leaders of men just yet because I want you to give you this principle. This is the principle I learned from, from this. When you receive power and authority, or who you receive power and authority from, is also the one you receive correction or criticism from. Who in your company has the right to correct what you are doing? The one who is your boss, the one who is above you. The people that are below you 
do not have that, do they? They're still people, but they don't have that ability. They don't have that right within the company. It doesn't mean they won't take it. It just means they don't have that right. You have the right to yield it to them. But you don't need to. Now, if you, as an employee, stop answering to your boss and answer to the people that are under you, what will happen? You can get fired. You will lose the, uh, the place that you have there. I put this in your outline for you. If you stop receiving correction, you will lose your source. Your source of authority, your source of power. If you stop receiving correction, you will lose the source. Think of the military. If a person in the military, whether they be a sergeant, private, lieutenant, captain, whatever it is, if they stop receiving correction from the people above them, what will happen? Now, first of all, be demoted. If that they still don't listen, they will eventually get a dishonorable discharge. We will kick you out. We don't need to have that kind of stuff going on around here. That's how they will deal with them. They'll lose their source because if the authority comes from the people above and they have to listen to them in order to continue to stay in that authority. It's the same thing with your job and it's the same thing with God. If a person who is a minister called by God to do whatever type of ministry they are called by God to do, if they stop listening to God, then God will remove them. What did he do with Saul when Saul stopped listening to him? I'm going to remove him from being king. What did he do to Jeroboam when Jeroboam stopped listening to him? I'm going to remove Jeroboam from being king. What did he do to Ahab when Ahab stopped listening to God? Listen to his wife. Took Abraham, took Ahab out of the out of the picture. That's what God will do. When you stop receiving correction, you will lose your source. Because your power. Remember the, the the centurion in the New Testament. I too am a man under authority. I say that this one go and he goes, and this one come and he comes. You only have authority if you are submitted to the people above you. It's the only time you have authority. If you change who you receive correction from, this is a huge principle. This is the thing that shocked me. If you change who you receive correction from, so too moves your source of power. If you change who you receive correction from, so too moves your source of power. If you are in ministry in any way, you have a line to God and God will speak things to you to do in ministry, to do in the thing that you do, whatever it might be. And if you stop listening to him, more than likely you are going to listen to someone. And when you listen to that someone, you change your source of power. There were kings who, uh, remember Jehoiada, the, 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 uh, the priest? All the days of Jehoiada, the, the, the priest, the king followed the ways of God. As soon as Jehoiada died, other people came and spoke to him and said, hey, let's do something different. And he went away from God, even to the point of killing Jehoiada, the priest's sons. Don't, don't shift your power. But see, this is what the enemy tries to do. He wants to try and whisper to you to get you to change your power. What happened in the garden? Has God really said? What are we going to do? Challenge your source. Receive correction. Receive criticism from me. And they did. And they switched their source of power over to Satan. 
In Isaiah chapter 14, over in verse 13, this is in your outline. But that's where the uh, Satan describes the fall of Satan. When God says, you were in Eden. This is uh, where he said, he, just, he makes his own declar- declaration. You have that up there? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. What's he doing? He's switching his source. He switched his source to himself away from God. And what happened to his position? He fell from his position. He lost it. And no longer was he tied into God. And his power was gone. We all think of the Satan as being so powerful. Satan lost his power. You are more powerful than he. But don't let him concoct schemes to pull you in and give you or give him your power. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. That's what he's done with many other people. He got them to do that. Why did Saul fall? Because he listened to the voice in the inside. He listened to people. And he switched his power source. Why did the kings of Israel leave following God to follow after the Baals? And the false idols. They listened to something else. Ahab listened to the voice of his wife. And she steered him into all kinds of idolatry. Solomon. The wisest man in the world. Wisdom from God. But he decided to. Multiply wives. And he took wives from foreign lands. And they began to sway his heart. The word of God tells us. And he listened to them. And instead of just worshiping God, he worshiped all these others. And he fell. He listened to His power source changed. It changed. The, enemies, the, the enemy employs this tactic to take away your power and put you under him. Where does God put you in relation to the devil? Above him. He is under your feet. The devil wants you to put, put you under under him and this is his tactic for doing it with the children of Israel he got them to criticize to receive in their minds in themselves criticism towards Moses and towards God and when they began to criticize God they cut off that source of power coming to them to receive a source of power coming from another place which was not nearly as powerful or as good or as sustaining And they went down. The enemy employs his tactic to take away your power and put you under him. Jesus said this, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Don't have ears to hear what the enemy wants you to think about other people. Have ears to hear what God says and think on those things. You've got to guard that stuff because it's going to try and and come at you with that. How about for today? So let's look at our government system. Where does the power... I'm not talking about other countries. I'm talking about the United States of America. Where does the power come from? The people. We, the people. When when the President President, uh, Lincoln gave that speech at Gettysburg, a government by the people, of the people, and for the people. Most governments aren't governed that way. But our government is. 
If the source of power is the people, where should the correction come from? The people. If a leader cuts themselves off from the criticism and the correction of the source of power, what are they doing? They are altering. Now, they've done this in the Bible. Saul altered his source of power to another. He still was king, but he altered his source of power. You got to be careful with this. As soon as we get leaders who say we are above criticism, they are saying we want to change our source of power. The source of power comes from two places, what is written and what is spoken. First off, what is written? It's called our Constitution. That's what empowers our leaders. They need to follow it. We've got a lot of leaders anymore who don't know it, don't follow it, don't even like it. There's one judge on the court, on the, on the court right now, one of the nine judges that they were in, over in one of the countries in Africa when they were forming a, a constitution told them, don't look at ours. Is that a person who should be on the court defending the constitution when they tell another country, don't look at ours? But yet they were appointed. You know, right now I have four people on the Supreme Court who believe in the Constitution, four people who do not believe in the Constitution, and one person who rides the fence. It's not a good place to be. Power comes from the Constitution. It comes from the people. Your ears need to perk up when you hear leaders who declare, you need to stop criticizing me. You need to stop correcting me. Isn't it interesting, back in 2008, Hillary Clinton got up and she didn't say this. She screeched it. I would play it for you up there, but it's, it's hard for me to listen to. It's just a horrible voice that she said this in. But maybe you might remember when she had... Uh, I'm not saying her voice is horrible. I'm saying she screeched this particular thing in a very horrible voice. She said, we had the right to... Um, oh, what, was her, what was her words? To question... Uh, it wasn't question. It was something else. Not clear. She didn't use criticize either. But we had the right to, to question... This president and any president. This president and any president. Remember her saying that? 2008, when she was running for president. Talking about then President Bush. We had the right to criticize this president and any president. And now all of a sudden that right is gone. And anyone who, cor- who corrects this president, some senators, some uh, other, you are wrong. That's not right, folks. The president, no matter what color, what, what nationality, what political belief, is subject to the people. Senators, congressmen, the same thing. And if they stop listening to the people, what do the people do? They vote them out. They may criticize. They may come into the, have the meetings and, and say, hey, you're not doing what we said to do. We're not doing what we want to do. And they, but the power comes from the people. Unless the leaders are trying to switch the source of power. Be watchful of that. Be watchful in the next day. Because in this election, people of this country spoke up. Did you hear some of the folks in the media talking about that? I, I laughed at it. I didn't listen to them. I heard people play things or write things. They said, well, the, obviously in this election, the people are saying that they want the folks in Congress to work together. Then why didn't they just leave the incumbents in office? Why didn't they vote for more people of the same party that the president is if they wanted them all to get along? Why did you put people of an opposing party in their place? That's not people in the politics. That's, that's people in the news media and stuff saying that. It's just ridiculous. 
Now, whether you like this president, don't like this president, whether you agree with his policies, don't agree with his policies, it's all your, your right to do. Have a foundation for it, but it's all your right to do. But no matter what, the people that we put in power need to listen to us. And you cannot take the same principles that govern God and the leaders that God puts in place because the source of power is different. The source of power here, folks, comes from you. Don't, don't tolerate any politician who won't listen to you. You need to do that. Anyway, that was just a side thing. The, um, the, the real meat of this is the tactic of the enemy. The tactic of the enemy is to subtly switch you from one power source to another by getting you to criticize it. Now, you watch politicians who begin to criticize people in America. That's wrong. See, it's back-channel criticism. Just like us criticizing God, it's back-channel criticism. We, we do not criticize God. If we back-channel criticism, it's, it's not going to go well. We need to come to God and say, God, what do I need to do? It's not going right. I've messed up somehow. Tell me what I need to do. Correct me. Train me. Show me what I need to do. And God will say, oh, that's the attitude I need. I can work with this. All right, let's help him out. That's what we need to do. I put this in your outline. I don't think I gave it to you yet. But if leaders fail to listen to those who empower them, what are they doing with their power? They're trying to change its source. Now, take a look at some of the other people who did this. We want to take a look at the course changing, the, the power changing. First off, the first one I wrote down, I think I had to take them all out of your outline because there's no room. If you want to write them down, you can. Israel with the golden calves. They're before the mountain. God is their God. He even says, Thou shalt have no other graven image before me. God is their God. And they say, let us make gods ourselves. And they, of course, you know, put all the gold in the pots and poof, out came these two golden calves. And so they, um, they wanted to worship them and, and follow them back. That was a change of source. That's taking the source from God and putting it onto these golden calves. In essence, they may, they may look at the golden calves, but they are taking their source from God and they are putting it back into the hands of the devil. What do you think the devil is going to do with you if you put yourself in his hands? Jeroboam. He came up with a new religion. You know what? We can't have that old religion because if they do that old religion, they're going to keep going down to Jerusalem. If they keep going down to Jerusalem, they're going to want to worship God. They're going to get rid of me. And so we need to come up with something new. So he came up and he appointed uh, priests of all classes of people, all tribes. Didn't matter. He um, created his own feast days. Created his own gods. He came back with the uh, calves again. How about the Pharisees? In the New Testament, Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. The Pharisees have the written law. But they decide, you know what? This is too complicated for you. What we're going to do is we're going to write 680 other laws for you to follow instead of the ones that are in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. And we're going to have you do this. So instead of saying, uh, honor the Sabbath to keep it holy, we're going to have you, uh, you can only walk 125 paces, you can't do any work, you can't, uh, and work is contrived as uh, 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 lifting any more than this much weight, or, and they just put all those laws in there. What are they doing? Switching the source of power of the people. Getting them off of the word of God and putting them onto their laws that they have made up. And so Jesus comes in and he starts healing people on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do that. We have laws about that. The law says you can't heal on the Sabbath. He says, wait a minute. It's the law of Moses. 
Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he says that at one, one time, where the man with the withered hand, he says to them all, he says, is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And they couldn't answer him. They couldn't answer him. He says, all right, take care of this. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They're switching the source of power. Satan did the same thing. He came up with his new way. We're going to do this. We're going to have five I wills. I'm going to ascend my throne. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We're going to make a whole new regime here. Switching the source of power. And there were people who followed him. There were people on the earth at the time who followed him. And there were the fallen angels. One third of the angels followed him. They all switched their source of power. What happened to those one third of angels? They lost their privileges to get into heaven. And they will be eternally punished in the lake of fire. Eventually, they're still out there able to do some stuff right now. But their punishment is coming. So here's what we need to do. Be careful of the subtle ways the enemy tries to cut you off from correction. He will do it in subtle ways. Be careful of those subtle ways he tries to cut you off from correction and change your source of power. He wants to first off get you to stop taking correction from the Word of God, to stop taking correction from what God says. If a, if a minister, man, woman, whether it be a pastor, preacher, prophet, whatever it might be, or if it's just somebody in the body of Christ who's just uh, more mature than you are, and they come to you and they say some things that are in the Word of God, and you, oh, I don't need to take that. Who are you to speak that to me? What are they doing? That attitude is coming in there to, to get you to separate between you and, and, and others. Paul talks about a group of people a specific group of people who made it their business to go about into the homes of other folks during the day, he says. Doing nothing but, but spreading tales and causing dissension. You know what that group of people was? The widows. I'm not saying the widows of today. I'm saying Paul. This is the group he dealt with. Did he write about the widows? He said, widows, you be careful. You've got to stop going into the houses of other people, wasting their time, and spreading tales and fables. Have you ever... Now, this is not just widows. We're just talking about other people. Have you ever had people come into your house, sit down, and tell you stuff you didn't know that caused you to think less of other people? That caused you to think less of other leaders? That caused you to think less of God? Less of His Word? Where do you think they came from? Do you think God sent them? Is God trying to cut you off from his source? Who is? Now, here's the problem that comes in. Is that these people that Paul was dealing with, these widows in Paul's day, they were in the church. They were in the church. They went around, they spread these things about folks. And they said stuff to cause dissension. Cause disunity. If you ever had somebody who's come into your house... And by the time you, they left, you felt worse about some people, a group of people, a bunch of people, whatever it might be, than when they entered. Don't bring them back. Amen. Keep them out. You have the right to say who comes into your house. Do not bring them out. There are some people, folks, you need to cut yourself off from. Because all they want to do is come in and cause you to be have unrest towards other people. It's a tactic to get you to switch your source of power subtly because you're not suspicious of it because they're in the church. 
They talk about God. They talk about the Bible. They're a Christian. Folks, if they were a heathen, they wouldn't have a shot. But because they're a Christian, they have a chance. Paul dealt with folks he called Judaizers, who after he would leave a town, would come in professing to be followers of God. Well, I mean, Paul's a good guy. You know, they'll always start out like that. Paul's a good guy. I mean, he means well. You know, he just doesn't know everything that he needs to know. And we're here to tell you the other stuff that Paul left out. Please, do not let them in your house. Don't let them in your conversations. What did, what did Jesus do with his buddy, good buddy, good friend, Peter? When Peter started speaking some of this stuff to him, changing his source, what did he do? Man, Peter, I really like you. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take some of the things you said under to heart. Maybe I shouldn't be preaching on these things. No, what does he say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Kicks them out. Folks, it's, it's really real easy to tell people that are of the wrong kingdom. They're trying to change your source. This is what was enlightening to me. The, the amount of things that come across our path during the week to try and get us to change our source. To not depend on his word and not depend on what he said. To not depend on God. Because if I can switch my source to another, I cut myself off from the power of God. I'm in the camp of the enemy. And I have no power to defend myself. Is that a good place to be? But it's exactly where the enemy wants you. And he can keep you sick, depressed, down, defeated. But you're still serving God. You're still going to church. You're still reading his Bible. You don't even realize you've changed your source. And you go right from there. You keep on criticizing the Moseses in the world. You keep on criticizing God. You keep on criticizing other folks. And you know what? You may know some stuff about other people. You may know it. And it might even be true. It doesn't mean it needs to be repeated. Think of just to ask yourself, what is my purpose for saying this? Is it going to help anybody? Is it going to bring joy in anyone's life? If not, just tell yourself, self, shut up. Because it's a whole lot better to tell yourself that than have to have somebody else come along and tell you directly. You know what? You need to quit saying this sort of stuff. But you got some people, how many, how many right now, you know, I got some people in my life that are speaking stuff that isn't good. I come out of their presence and I think terrible about other people. Cut them off. Cut them off. You need to speak that thing up. And all you, all you really need is do this once or twice because these people are cowards. You look at it. Every time that they have come into your presence and they have spoken to you about other people, they have done it without those other folks present. Sometimes even say, don't say this. <laughs> don't let anybody know that I said this. No, you just need to... You, you, can, you can fix it real, real quick. If they want to say something, what happens if we go over to brother or sister so-and-so? Let's just take that up right now with it. No, no, no. We, we can't do that. No, no. Or else just do what Jesus did. Just rebuke them right there. Folks, I have done this with some people that I used to be close to. And I have rebuked them to the point that, uh, I mean, some of the ones that were, were female cried. I actually made some females I knew cry. I don't care. Because what they're spreading is dangerous. Cry all you want to. 
I won't be moved by it. I'm more moved by the damage and destruction that's being done. But what happens is, once, sometimes twice, and they never say another word to me. Never say another word to me. They know I can't say it to them. He's gonna... No, I can't say I bet 100% of that. There's sometimes I shouldn't have let that go. Oh, Father God, why did I let that go on? I'm get, I'm, but I'm getting better. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're getting better. We Don't put up with those folks in your life. Correct them. Correct them. Now, why are you sharing that with me? Do you think this is going to help me? What's your purpose here? Well, I don't really have a purpose. I just thought you might want to know. Why did you think I want to know that? Did you think I would make me feel good? Did you think it would make me feel better about the people that you're talking about? Well, I didn't really think about all that. Well, maybe you ought to be thinking about all that sort of stuff. Now, you do that once or twice. They won't do it with you anymore. They know what they're doing is wrong, which is why they do it quietly. Don't put up with it. Because the purpose here is to get you to change your power. If you change the source of your power, you can still be in church. Worshiping God, reading his Bible, studying his word, and be defeated in life. Don't let it happen to you. Stand up on it. That's why I said this was earth-shattering. I didn't see this. I never saw this thing about the criticism in the association of power. As long as I take correction from God, I receive his power. But I don't receive his power without his correction. Don't do it. Be, be real careful about the people that are in your life and some of the things they may want to try and, and do. I wrote this in mine. I couldn't fit it into yours. But criticism should come from those who empower you, oversee you, keep you in check, going the right direction, and love you or the position you stand in. I'll read that back to you. Criticism should come from those who empower you, oversee you, keep you in check, going the right direction and love you or the position you stand in. Now, when you correct, make sure you have the right foundation. You do not correct from your opinion. Well, I don't think you ought to do that. What are you basing that on? Well, I just don't think you ought to. Then shut up. Don't need to speak it. What are you basing it on? Base it on something. Tell you what, the Christian church would do a whole lot better if we just didn't say as much. Speak to your situations. You don't have to always speak as much as you do to people. Because sometimes we're just spreading stuff that's there to cause dissension and cause problems. And that's not the way that it should be. What has God been speaking to you? Because whenever God speaks to you, it means the channel is open and His power is coming into you. You are empowered by God. Never shut off his correction. Whether it comes from his word, from his spirit, from the people that are around, never cut off what God wants to say for correction. Listen. Listen to it. If God has put people in the body of Christ over you, listen to what they have to say. Look at Joshua and Moses. Look at the relationship they had. Every time Moses spoke, Joshua listened and did whatever Moses needed to be done. And what happened eventually with, with Joshua? He got put into Moses' place. You see, if, if you can follow after the people that God puts in your life to speak into your life, if you can follow them, then God says, then I can trust you to, for me to speak to you. That's what we need to do. Because when you get in those positions at the top, being a Moses, being a Joshua, when he was up on top, 
How many people do they have that can speak into their life? Not many. So by the time they get there, they better be able to hear directly from God. And they were. They were able to hear directly from God. Abraham, able to hear directly from God. Did it help him? He kept listening. Did God come to Abraham in those 25 years? He's waiting for a kid. Did God, did God ever come and correct him? <laughs> he offered correction, did he? What did Abraham do when it came? Yes, sir. Yes, I need to change that. I need to change that. He didn't get a change right away, but he listened. He was willing to, to, to hear. Always be willing to hear the voice of God, the voice of criticism, the voice of correction from God. It will only help you. Don't let those people come in who want to spread dissension, who want to spread things about other people, make you think less of them. Don't do it. You don't need that sort of stuff going on. Get those things, kick them out of your head. Have a real short memory of all that stuff. You don't need it. It's not going to help you. It'll hold you back because it's going to mess with your source. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to stay connected to the source of God. To stay connected. Listening to your word, listening to your spirit, listening to the voice of the men and women, the servants of God that are in our midst as you speak through them. Father, I thank you. They are here to help. They're here to speak to us. We will listen. We will be aware of the enemy, the enemy's tactic to try and get us to switch our source. Because by doing so, we change our power. We won't let them do it. We will stand firm on the things of God. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We got some praise reports. I see some, and I see a pretty good pile. Okay. I do have praise reports. Praise God. Um, that was a good word, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking about, can we turn this? No, I'll hold it out here. Um, I was thinking about something that Brother Hagen had taught us years ago with regards to correction and criticism. You know, the days that we're living in, the Bible says that in the end days, there's going to be a lot of false prophets out there. How many of you hear a lot of, or you see a lot of things on Facebook about, you know, putting this pastor down or that pastor or this evangelist, the things that they're teaching aren't right or whatever? You know, what Brother Hagin taught us was that will always be. In the end days, we're going to see a whole lot more of it. What is our response to that? Our response is to teach the truth. You know, not to come against that person personally, to, to, to ha- you know, wage an all-out assault against them or their ministry. That's not our position. Our position is to teach the truth because, like the Word of God says, the Word is power. When we teach the truth and we teach the power, then we're going to break through all that, the, the lies and deception that are out there. So if you have people in your life who are, who are doing that, they're, they're um, you know, putting down other ministries, it, Correct them in that and take them back to the Word of God because we don't want to be the fault of anybody falling, right? We're there to encourage and to uplift and to teach the truth. And the truth will set them free. You know, the truth will expose the lies there. I just was thinking about that as you you were talking. Um, this praise report comes from Naz. He says, I just want to thank God for continued favor. He says, and for putting me in a great personal church and family that knows how to express the, um, the God kind of love. Amen. 
praise God. This one is from the Ekpes, from their new, they are now in a new home in a new uh, neighborhood. They said, neighbors have been welcoming us and dropping off gifts and food at our doorstep. And they said, we have open doors for ministry. Amen. Praise God. How many of you know that your neighborhood is a great mission field? Um, Jolly said, God is at work in his mission field. He says, a female co-worker that he testified about here before, and I believe we were praying for her. He says, she got a, he got a surprise email from her last week. Um, she says, hi, Jolly. I know this will make you proud. I found and started going to a local Catholic church in my area. Hallelujah. She says, this was the, the same person um, who told me she was uh, literally choked with religion in um, the Catholic church and that she does not like organized religion. God is definitely working there, so we have to keep her in prayer. Um, this come, comes from Alyssa. God has blessed me um, and helped me to book her biggest contract um, to date, and it pays her three times the normal rate, and she has complete artistic control of that. So that's, that's awesome, a new area there. So financial blessings are coming. This one's from Anna. That We prayed for her last week. Remember, her feet were bothering her. She was not able to sleep. She's after... Prayer, she says, the pins and needles are gone, and she's been able to sleep at night ever since. So praise God for that. Um, this one's from Ray, and I'm hoping I'm reading this one correctly. He says, past Thursday, he had to stay home. He was having some dental problems. Um, he says, praise God, there was someone who could cover his shift. However, <laughs> she had a particularly difficult night. But when he returned to work, those difficult patients had either been discharged <laughs> or were under control and peace reigned that night. So hallelujah. Um, Tony, this comes from her. She says, I'm able to stay in my apartment. And um, she's able to get her medications right now, too. So praise God for that one. And then back to the beginning. So any others? No? I love to hear praise reports. Hallelujah. <laughs> 